This is Jeff Lawrence. Welcome to the new Vaudeville, the Guitar Theory Podcast. Everybody, Jeff Lawrence here, your host of the new Vaudeville. Today is another episode where we're not going to put it on YouTube because there's no playing involved. I'm going to talk a little bit about being a band leader and what it takes to be a good band leader and what might be considered a bad band leader. Now, why am I qualified? to even do this but basically I've been a band leader for <clears throat> I don't know since I was like 20 years old probably maybe even 19 years old I was a, been a band leader somewhere yeah right around and I've pretty much been the band leader in every band I've been in except for maybe the first two which were uh you know I was just feeling my way around but yeah and I haven't been a good band leader in, in some of these instances, and we'll talk more about that. But uh, I'm currently trying to. I still I still lead a trio, the uh, Jeff Lawrence and Warhorse is what we're called, and I still I'm trying to be a, a lot better of a band leader. So what I do now, it's important to treat the guys in your band um, with respect. I mean, you can't do it anything you're doing without them like in my band right now i'm the singer i'm the guitar player my drummer does sing a song or two and my bass you know i leave it open if they want to i have no problem with it but i i generally sing everything play all the guitar the leads rhythms i book the gigs i the originals we play are my songs i pick the sets set lists the songs we do which i also leave that open um for them to throw in ideas and they have but mainly i do all that a book all the gigs i bring the pa system if we need one i um you know uh negotiate the pay and all that and so lately what i've been doing i get you know like i'll take i'll tell you if a, a late the latest example of where i think i'm i was a good band leader <clears throat> so on new year's eve we i had a show and my bassist could not make the show because of COVID. He didn't have COVID, but he was kind of afraid to get COVID. And, I'm, and I certainly don't blame him because he has a daughter that's immune comp- compromised. From what I understand, she doesn't have a large intestine. I haven't talked to him too much about this, but I certainly wasn't upset at all about that. And uh, he didn't. His job was never in any jeopardy at all <clears throat> but i had a trouble finding a fill-in bass player i didn't want to cancel the gig because if i would have i would have lost probably two or three other gigs for, at the same location and i would also let the left them hanging on new year's eve with with no band they may i could have found a fill-in but who knows i didn't want to do it so and my you know i would have left my drummer not making any money 
we were and you know to be candid we were supposed to make five hundred dollars at this gig and that's not a lot for a new year's eve gig but I figured it was an it was an easy gig. It's uh and it's only eight to eleven, so it's an early gig, and you get food and it's you know it's down it's not a it's not far away and it's you know in the city, so you're not driving through mountain. You know we're out here in Utah, so we're not you know a lot of the gigs, you might be driving through mountain passes and snowstorms and stuff, which the weather was bad, but like I said, it was in the city, so they keep the streets pretty well maintained. They're used to it here. So we, uh, anyway, I had trouble finding a bass player. I hit up probably eight, nine bass players. A lot of them already had gigs. Some of them didn't, but didn't seem too interested in learning all these songs for one pop, which that's a, you know, they, a lot of times this stuff turns into more than one thing because, you know, I'll have to use them again at some point, but a lot of musicians seem to be short-sighted on that, and they don't short-sighted. Um, they don't uh, realize that you know they don't look they don't play the long game they don't realize what what's going to be later. <clears throat> so uh, anyway, so I got hold of one bass player that was going to do it, but he, he says I'm only going to do it for three hundred bucks. So as I just stated, we were only making five hundred. Now this guy's a great bass player. He's a doctor. He's a he's even I mean he's well known and he's a doctor and a PhD in music and. Uh, Great bass player, great musician, great guy, really. Um, but I was, you know, I was a little thrown off that he was going to charge me that. But I can understand it. He's worth it. But he knew what I was making. See, so he's, he already knows he's taking more than half what we're getting paid to do this. And I wasn't going to do it at first. It was kind of off-putting to me because <clears throat> he kind of knew he had me by the balls, which I don't think he was thinking of it that way. I don't think he meant anything nefarious. He was just... That's his price, and he's kind of, you kind of got to stick to your price, or you'll, you know, the word gets around that you'll work for cheaper than your price, and that's, you'll start getting that cheaper price thrown out at you. But anyway, so, at, at the end, I didn't really have any choice, really, ISI. I went ahead and agreed to it. Now, my, my drummer being a great guy, and we've been playing together, you know, on and off for 14 years um, at this point. You know, we've we've taken a few years where we didn't play together, but but we've been you know we've been friends a long time, and he uh, you know he offered he said look I'll take a hundred bucks, and you take a hundred bucks, and then we'll get the tips, and he'll just get the three hundred bucks, and I'm cool with that. And, I'll, and I, so this is where the band leader thing comes in. I was I was instantly I said nope, we're not doing that. You're gonna get your original cut which was 166.66 i think it was like that and then i'll give the other guy 300 bucks that'll leave 33 bucks for me <clears throat> and then me and you'll split the tips and normally the tips at this place are 100 150 so <clears throat> i wasn't sweating it too bad but this particular night they were having a fundraiser at the same time for like bartenders and and stuff that and waitresses and waiters that couldn't that if they had an accident or if it was COVID or whatever couldn't work the fun kind of helped them get by. Um, if you heard that pop a top, that was a diet coke, not a beer. Not that it matters. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so they didn't. They were tipping. They were giving all their money to the 
charity, so we didn't make a lot of tips. I think we made $26 or something. And at the end of the night, my drummer gave me all the tips, and I really didn't want to take them. I still wanted to split, but he kind of insisted on it, and and I just did it. So, But, uh, you know, I felt like I was being a good band leader. That's a good example because I didn't, my drummer didn't have to, other than the $13 in tips or something he would have got, or if there would have been three of us there, not even that, he didn't really lose out. So, Because it wasn't his, there's no reason for him to take the hit. Oh, it's my band. It's Jeff Lawrence and Warhorse. And he had nothing to do with any of this. So I, the, it's up to the band leader to take a hit. Now, I've been in bands in the past where I wasn't the leader. Where, you know, I've always led my own band, but, I, you know, I'll have a second band or a third band that I play with occasionally, and I'll, I won't be the leader in that particular band. And they're not like that. They'll, I mean, they, they would have just, they would have just gave me the least amount they could have got. Got got away with, and uh, but that's that's one example. So that's one way of being a good band leader. And and you know, keep in mind, I had to lug the whole PA inside, the whole PA down there. For I live further away than the other guy. Well, at least my drummer. I live, you know, I live forty five minutes away. Um, I had to bring the PA down. It's icy, snowy, COVID, Omicron variants just kicking in. Everybody's freaking out on that and. So, I mean, I had to sacrifice a lot. I didn't make a lot of, you know, I walked away with, what, 60 bucks or something like that, which is the lowest amount I've made all year. And on New Year's Eve, you're supposed to make, you know, usually triple what you normally make. But that's just one example. And then, I, you know, I, I set this, I don't know if you want to call it a precedent or not, but which isn't a lot, but I, I, I guarantee my band this, too, my two guys is I guarantee if if I book a gig, they'll get a minimum of $75, no matter what. That's like, that's kind of covering their ass if we do a gig that's just for the door and we don't make much money. I don't really do too many gigs that are just for the door, but there is a few. Sometimes the ones I do for the door, you make three times more than you make for a guarantee money, but... So I guarantee them guys seventy five bucks no matter what no no matter if we make ten bucks no matter if we lose money or but so far I haven't even had to do that we've always made way more than that but that's what I guarantee them so they know they're gonna at least get that and you know that covers you know that covers their gas and still puts fifty sixty bucks in their pocket and then I also do this if I have to cancel a gig and it's and it's nothing to do with them. Sometimes it's nothing to do with me. I'll, I'll Venmo them over fifty bucks. I guarantee them fifty bucks because they write. You know, they're professional musicians. They write this stuff on their calendars, and they don't take other gigs. You know, a pro musician that has integrity takes a gig, writes it on their calendar, and keeps that gig. He doesn't. He doesn't. If somebody offers them a better paying gig, they don't cancel the other one they already booked and then take it. They just keep what they have, and that's the way it is which is the way that my guys are and so i guarantee them 50 bucks we have to cancel anything that means they get 50 bucks and don't even have to load their equipment in the car um so that's that's two ways of doing it and i haven't always been that way there's times where i had to you know my guy i had seven eight piece band one time we'd play for the door and we'd sometimes we'd leave out of there with 20 bucks a piece and stupid stuff like that and, um but back you know also at some points in my life I was making a living just off of music so I had to 
do it that way. I don't do that anymore. I have like a regular job now, and uh, so I don't really have to rely on music for my income anymore. But my drummer does, so I have to look out. You know, I have to look out for him and and stuff. So here, and and I can give you some examples of you know not being a good band leader. Um, there's been times where. And this is the way I used to do this, and I, you know, this is, uh, there's been times where I, I used to, my policy would be, I'm kind of stumbling my words, my policy would used to be, I'd call a guy and say, do you want to do this gig, can you do it for 80 bucks, and they said yes, and that was it, I gave them 80 bucks, I, sometimes I'd get to the gig, and I'd make, they'd give me a check for 800 dollars, and I'd give my band what they agreed to do it on, 80 bucks, I'd walk away with 600 bucks sometimes in the past. I definitely haven't done that in many years. But, I mean, I would. T- t- that's kind of how I was raised to do business. You make an agreement with somebody, they tell you what they'll do the gig for, and that's it. Um, but I definitely would never do that now. It's not fair. It's not, even though I'm, I do, I wouldn't say I do more of the work. I do, I guess I do more of the, I guess I do do more of the actual work in the band because I'm, booking everything and having to deal with all the bar owners and all that crap and kind of taking the hits. But well, what am I without my band? That's how you have to look at it. I mean, I'm not a solo artist. I, I do a few solo gigs, but I'm not a solo guy. And I, without my band, I don't have anything. I'm not, I'm just, I'm nothing. So, and they're great. I mean, they make, my guys make me sound like a million bucks when I'm playing. They're, they're top notch. They deserve every penny they get and, and twice that. Um, so that, you know, that's how, but that's how I've did it in the past. That's not being a good band leader. I guess it's being a good businessman if you're just out to do that, but I'm not out to, like I said, I don't have to make a living doing this anymore. But let me, uh, making, I'll tell you another example. I was playing one time, actually, I, it was in the town I live in now, which I didn't live in at the time. I lived an hour and a half away. I drove all the way to where I live in now in Ogden, Utah, in a snowstorm from a town called Camas I was living in to pay, play bass in a guy's band. Um, a guy named Scott Hongel that lives down in Florida. I, I only call him out because he's an asshole. And he uh, he got he got me a lot of gigs. I did make a lot of money with him, but there was times like this where he would screw us. This this particular, he was a... He's a, he was a full-blown alcoholic. I don't know if he still is. I hope he's not. Um, but anyway, he uh, they tell us to turn down. And he's like, and it's like the bar owners kind of, or the bar tender kind of yelling in across the bar at us. And I don't have any problem with turning down. I like to play low. I like to keep everybody happy. And uh, playing loud don't do anything for anybody. It just makes everybody hate it most of the time. <clears throat> and then... Uh, so he didn't turn down. He just says, if you're too old, and or then if it's too loud, you're too old. Some stupid shit like that. And here we are in our late 30s, early 40s. You know, ain't like we're young pups. And uh, he won't turn down. And he gets in a screaming match back and forth across the bar with the bar owner. The bar the bartender just tells us to leave. He says, pack up and get out of here. I ain't paying you. Fuck y'all. Get out of here. And... Uh, so we do. We pack up and leave. None of the rest of us had, any, you know, were causing any issues at all. And then he doesn't pay us. So here I am. I drove an hour and a half in a snowstorm, 
where I didn't have any money at the time. I was, you know, like I said, I'm making the money playing music. That's it at the time. I, I taught lessons, played stu- did studio work, and played in two or three bands. Um, so I didn't, he didn't pay any of us. And I was sitting there kind of waiting, like, you know, hey, you fucked us, you did this, here, you caught, hey, you know, of course, he ain't taking the blame, he's blaming it on the bartender, I'm blaming it on him, and I didn't, really, I don't give a shit whose fault it is, I just knew it wasn't mine, and I showed up to do my job, I did my job, I was there ready to do my job, pay me what you said you're gonna pay me, and he didn't, he didn't pay us nothing, nothing, not even gas money, not even here's five bucks for a Big Mac, nothing, that's being a a really shitty band leader. That ain't being a leader at all. That's being a, that's just, you know, if you're in a band like that, the best thing you do is get out. I've had, uh, recently playing with a Doug Lane. Now he was, I felt like he was a shitty band leader. He, uh, he didn't, he, the way he talked to people was kind of condescending and nobody in his band has any say so over anything they play or anything, which that's okay. It's, I mean, it's the Doug Lane band or whatever. And uh, so, I, I mean, I, that's all right. I don't care that much about that. But, you know, the way he kind of condescendingly talked to people, and uh, especially me. And then uh, he would keep the tips. He would never give them any of the band any of the tips. He would he would pay us. Sometimes I kind of realized why he did it. Sometimes he wouldn't get paid because he would get like 400 bucks and there'd be like, five of us so he'd pay us a hundred bucks a piece and he'd keep all the tips and i don't really have a problem with that as long as it's stated up front like i don't know he should have said i'm hey i'm keeping the tips because i have no idea nobody knows what he's making and what he's doing and you know because we don't just it's, it's not being transparent so it's not really i guess that's not really being a bad band leader but it kind of looks bad because nobody everybody's assuming he probably got a hundred bucks too which sometimes i know he probably didn't because i know the bar owners but um, looks like he's just taking off with the tips. And then there's another situation. I was in a band called Jaegertown. Jaegertown is one of the biggest bands in Utah. They're kind of fizzling out now. They're not quite as big as they were. They're kind of bro country, kind of pop country, hip hop or something, whatever you call new country. Um, but when I was in their band, they were one of the biggest bands around. Like I said, they're making like a thousand to five thousand a show. And then I, so I joined the band thinking, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm rolling in high cotton, like we used to say in the South. So I'm making money now. Um, but I didn't. I made either less or the same I was making in my own trio playing little clubs because they would have to take the money out and pay for the, the van payment. We had like a bus kind of payment. It was just a van at the time. They bought a bus later. It was like one of those big six seat van things. Um, so we would, uh, t- take money out of the, out for that. They take all the money. They We sold a lot of merch, a lot of CDs. We'd sign autographs on the CDs. They sold a lot of t-shirts, stickers, panties, bandanas, everything you think of. And they never split that with anybody. They would just put it back into more merch. And you can kind of, I mean, that's kind of okay when you're in that band. But then they come time for me to leave the band now, when I left the band, I just recorded their third CD, their third album. I did it all. I record. They knew they were going to kick me out of the band. They, they knew they were going to fire me. I was on the verge of quitting anyway, but they knew they were going to fire me right after I recorded the CD. So they used me 
they play, I played a big gig with them, like a big time gig, opening up for Brett Eldridge and Blackhawk and some people out in Vernal, Utah. And then they made, I think we made 1200 bucks, 1500 bucks. They gave me a hundred dollars, sent me home, told me to be in the studio the week after I showed up at the studio, played all the shit on the stuff. It's probably some of the best stuff that the guitar work they've got on any of their albums. And that's not just me saying that other guitarists that have been in their band say that they have to learn the stuff. And then they, right immediately after doing that, they pretty much, I think I may have done two, three more gigs with them. I'm out of the band. They don't pay me back for any of the merch. They don't pay me back for any of the studio time I just put in. They don't pay me back for any of the money that I put into the van, the uh, the little bus thing we had. No, that's all money that I invested that I don't get back. So what, they should have paid me out what I put into it because I'm not in the band anymore. Why am I investing money and I'm not getting a return on it? Um, especially when they knew they were going to throw me out in the first place. So that's that's another way of being a very bad band leader. And that same band, in Utah, There's a, you'd think there's a lot of country places to play. There's not. There's, at the time, I think there's probably, you know, there's probably four or five places. I mean, there's probably more than that, but... Some of them are little shitholes that you can't make 200 bucks at. And uh, the biggest club here is the Westerner Club. And somehow the leader of Jaegertown pissed this club off. Biggest country club in Utah. Still going strong today. So we never played there. So just because the band leader pisses them off, we don't play at the biggest place in, in the whole state. Which probably was detrimental in them not having as much success as they probably would have had. And so that just stuff like that's being very, very bad uh, band leading at that point. Back in the day when I was a much younger guy, and this is mainly, you know, if you're an older person and you're listening to this and you're in the band, you already know this shit. But when, you, when I was younger, I led the bands because... I turned out that I was in my circle in the bands I was in. I was generally the only songwriter, or I wrote the majority. I usually wrote all the lyric lyrics in every band I was in, even though I wasn't even a singer. I was in a lot of original bands back in my twenties, and wrote all the you know. I usually wrote all the music and the lyrics, but I, I, if I if not, I wrote a lot. I wrote ninety percent of it. And then also, you know, booked a lot of the gigs and that kind of thing. And, you know, I would get, it got to where I was just like, I'm, you know, and other people would try to bring in songs like they want, they want it to be even, like, oh, let's do some of my songs. And there's times where I've had to just put my foot down, say, because they did, I mean, sometimes people bring in a song to a band and you want to be diplomatic and have it, you know, be like the Beatles and have four guys writing songs or at least three. And he, uh, but sometimes a guy will bring a song into a band and it's a shitty song. And you got to be willing to tell them that. <laughs> I mean, and even the other band members usually know. You just got to be, sometimes you got to be the asshole and say, that song sucks. Now, you don't always know a song sucks. You don't know what the, somebody else is going to think. I mean, there's shitty songs that have been number one songs before that I thought sucked. But, you know, apparently people love them but sometimes you just flat out know that song sucks and uh you just have to you have to tell them and i and i would do that and there was a point in one band where 
a guy joined two different guys were playing the guitar i was in a heavy metal band back in the late 90s and i was basically just the singer i kind of grown tired of playing metal guitar i, I would still play guitar on a couple songs but mainly just the vocalist and we we cut a cd and the, there was two other guitarists and one of them had written most of the guitar stuff and another one had written like two sets of lyrics or maybe yeah probably two sets of lyrics at least one and then we got we started booking gigs and then they one of them quit the band and joined another band just because the other band had drugs had meth at the time and none of the, none of us did any of that uh we we probably smoked some weed and stuff like that but they quit a band joined another band just because they always had meth and then another the other guitar player got addicted to heroin and just never even showed up again didn't even come get his guitar and amp and then here we are we got five six gigs booked and i and i recorded you know i i played these i had to use their songs to do the gigs because we had that's what we were doing we were a band we booked gigs we didn't have any you know that's what we had to go with and so they got a little pissed about that situations like that you have to do it like like metallica did when dave mustaine from megadeth you know he wrote most of the first album uh, a lot of the riffs and stuff and some of the second one metallica album even though he was out of the band they still recorded and did the material because that's what they were doing i mean thing is you just got to give them credit for it and if there's any money to be made make sure they they make it and that you know that's kind of a kind of a weird situation to be in but that's kind of you know when you go into a band and you contribute and then you leave right in the middle of the what you're you know right in the middle they can't just rebuild there's no point in it and you can't really there's no lawsuits because you don't the stuff hasn't made it anywhere i mean you're going to pay more than the lawyer and they're ever going to make on the songs so there's that um so yeah so this is just a little bit of a little bit of things that you can do to to not be a bad band leader and be a good band leader the best thing i can say is just remember that without the band what are you i mean you sure you could get other guys but you know maybe they're not i in my case i don't want any other guys the two guys i got in my band are the best guys i could have in my band and I, i'll stick with them through thick and thin and they you know, I'm not sure how they feel about me. To them, it may just be a job. I like to think it's not, like a side hustle or something. I like to think it's not. But um, get you some guys like that. I mean, if you don't have guys like that in your band, go ahead and replace them now. Don't wait. I mean, just get get you some people that you can stick with. And then, but I always I always remember that you know you can't do this shit without them. Without them, you're just a dude standing there with a guitar or a bass. Maybe if you're a solo artist, you may can do some things like that. That's kind of a different story, I mean, but, and maybe that's what you want to do. But the way I've always looked at it is, man, I, you know, without my band, I'm not, I'm just a dude standing there with a guitar. And they make me, they, like I said, my band makes me sound great. Think about that. Think about, think about bands like Led Zeppelin, like, you know, there's there was definitely a band leader there. There was Jimmy Page, but think about that music stands up today. Same thing with the Beatles. You had kind of had two band leaders there. You had McCartney and Lennon. I tend to think McCartney was a little more of a, the actual leader. 
you know, as far as keeping their shit together and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, there's different kinds of leaders, but that music stands up. But think about either of those bands without the the rhythm section or, or, or you know, take some members out of the band. It's just a, it's a different story. Another quick thing is I, when I was about 18 years old, I went on the road as a roadie for a band called Hallow's Eve out of Atlanta, which were, they were a big part of the thrash metal scene at the time, had a record deal, made three albums. And that whole band was musically was probably more ran by the singer guitarist, but the actual leader of the band was Tommy Stewart, the bass player. The, the band could not have functioned without him because he did everything. He booked all the gigs. He booked the practice places. He made sure the tour schedule was on where it needed to be. He he knew he booked the motels in the different towns. He booked the rental cars, the buses, the U-Hauls. He uh, helped contract the record deal. He kept in touch with the record producers whole nine yards he booked the studio time i mean i but he uh you know they everybody let him do it and he wanted to do it but he you know you get in some situations like that where musically he's a bass player and he's just kind of laying down more or less simple bass lines they're not you know it's not simple simple but at the time he's a that's just kind of the way he plays it's a straightforward just kind of powerful bass lines but so it's not Technically, could he be? Could he have been replaced musically? Yes, could have been replaced, but the band would have never done anything. They wouldn't have had a record deal, nothing. So he ran the whole situation, and he's still going today. He still has his own band today, has his own record company. None of the other guys in the band are doing anything musically. Not you know in their own lives. Other areas they are, but not musically. Not a, and he's still out there touring in, in his 60s. So there is things like that. Um, and then, you know, sometimes there's behind-the-scenes people. Like, I'm, in a, I'm also doing a Tom Petty, Stevie Nicks tribute band right now. I'm, in the, I'm kind of in the beginning stages of it. We got a show booked, sold out in a theater, just kind of. And the person running that band, Myra Hall, is not even in the band. She's... Um, I, th- I think she is a vocalist, but not. She doesn't sing with anybody or anything. She just runs the band. She also runs a Motown band. So sometimes you have an outsider run the band, and you can kind of. A lot of times they're going to do it straight up business, but and that's okay. I mean, but usually in those cases they offer you a good amount. I mean, you don't have to take the gig. They have their pick from. When you get a good gig like that, where you're selling out 450 seats and, and a little in a theater you're gonna you know you got your pick of musicians so um it's also situations like that well the band leader is not actually in the band or not a, a performing in the band i should say but that's it man for today that's uh the new vaudeville just talking a little bit about how to be a good band leader what to do what not to do i'm sure there is other examples that i did not get to uh, I'm sure I left out some stories, some examples, but basically you just always ask yourself, you know, am I treating my band good? Am I treating them the way I would want to be treated if I was in someone else's band? Simple thing, simple, you know, simple golden rule kind of shit. But anyway, 
just going to sign off now, but thanks for listening. Uh, this is only like episode four. I don't put these shows out much, and I haven't put my other podcast out, uh, Southern Man, Western Town, in a little while. I may do an interview on that one this Saturday, um, but as usual, you can listen to either one of these shows on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple, um wherever you, you know, wherever you get your podcast at, I, Anchor is where I record them, you can look at, dire, listen directly from Anchor, you can uh, d- donate to the show at jeff-lawrence-48, because I don't make a dime doing this particular show, and I eventually probably will if I keep doing them, but at this point I haven't made a single penny off, you know, that's just how it is in the podcast world when you put out four episodes and you don't have that many listeners, and I, you know, I'm, that's it now kind of podcast that everybody's going to be interested in and not going to have a ton of listeners you know it's a basically a guitar player podcast or musician podcast so you know you and you're not a i'm not interviewing anybody or anything like that so i understand that um but yeah if you want to donate venmo jeff dash lawrence l-e-w-r-e-n-c-e dash 48 be greatly appreciated or you can go to the PayPal, which is uh, LawrenceJeff1968 at gmail.com and donate to PayPal. You can also go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm, and look up uh, the new vaudeville. And you can donate directly on Anchor or make a contribution, a monthly contribution. It can be anything, be a dollar a month, five dollars a month, anything really helps. The more that happens, the more I'll start putting out. But uh, And then the next episode, I'm probably going to go back on the YouTube channel and put, you'll be able to listen to it on all the podcast platforms, but it'll also be uh, probably back on YouTube with the uh, with some actual guitar instruction going on. The last uh, two, I didn't, they weren't any playing involved. It was just kind of a, a lecture, if you will, a TED Talk maybe not ted nugent just a you know what i'm saying <laughs> all right signing off the new vaudeville jeff lawrence take care of each other and don't get the covid if you do hope you get well soon talk to you later wrong under section 37b of the contract signed by him it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if and you can read it for yourself in his photostatic copy I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses, hearing and hearing contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria culpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. This has been the new Vaudeville with Jeff Lawrence. Please like, subscribe, and follow, whatever the case may be. Thank you, and until next time.